Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children 18 plus, you are tuned in to the Lone Officer Podcast with me, Dustin Owen, and my main man, JC, John Coleman. Dio, what up? How you doing today, I'm JC? good, man. How are you? I'm fired up. Always. You're always fired up, Dio. I'm fired up. I'm on day like 17 of 75 hard. That's a self-inflicted wound. <laughs> it's, it's going well, but I do like the enticement. For those tuned into YouTube, you see that JC decided not one, not two, but all three whiskey bottles are on full display. We had the old school Clyde Mays. The OG. The OG. Then we had the Jason Parker bottle, Whiskey Row. Autographed. Autographed. And then we got the the Black Skimmer, our most recent addition to our collection. I mean, yeah, we let the Don Julio on the side, too. We let the Don Julio on because it's not a whiskey. Yeah, it's a liquor, though. It is a liquor. But you're trying to entice me? I mean, you, know, you could just start over, man. You no, could just fu- start over if you no, Yeah, it's, you know, I did that once. I prefer not having to start over. Um, but it's cool because I'm doing 75 hearts at this time with, like, two of my best friends. Mm-hmm. So we get on text messages. And, like, on Sunday, it was great. Uh, these guys may or may not allegedly booze more than I do in the weekends. Who's going to fall off first? No, none of us will. Yeah, well, you know what? Rob's at the Masters this week. Shout out to so, the Masters. So if, if Rob is going to miss. It's going to be. Yeah, okay. He's going to go to the Masters sober. Yeah, okay. With those $5 beers, I've been there. No. He's you've getting, been to the Masters? Yeah. Oh, I'm jealous. It's, Was it just for a practice round or were you there practice, for? Pra- practice rounds. Okay. I feel like everyone can get into a practice round. Yeah, but I not. think Rob gets to get into practice round mm-hmm. and Thursday, Friday. Don't get it twisted. It's still a golf course behind a Publix. Is it really? That's what I pulled in. I was like, this is the Masters. I drove eight hours to Augusta. I pulled up. The drive was terrible. And I get there, and I was like, turn right at Publix. I'm not shitting <laughs> you. And I t- turn in, and it's like, oh, you go behind it, and like, there it is. The 16th gear. That's weird, yeah, but. So I heard this about the pyramids in Egypt. What's that? Like, they're legit. Mm-hmm. Like, you look at them on pictures, like, oh, these are pyramids out in the vast desert. No, it's, like, next to a golf course in, like, in the <laughs> civilization. Yeah, I literally think it's, like, right next to a major metropolitan <laughs> area. You it is. Have you been there? Yeah. No, I haven't. Not okay. yet, yet, but I've seen, it's, like, yeah. the facade of. So, like, when I do get to see the pyramids, I won't be disappointed. But imagine how disappointed. I'd be, like, you going to the Masters oh. with the Publix right there. Although the good news is you got hot and spicy wings and you got pub subs. It was no, but the food there is hella cheap. That's yeah, why like it's a thing. It's like a dollar hot dog. It's well, immaculate. It's a great thing. To so drink. so Rob will be there and it'll be like, but what I was saying the text messaging, right. it was funny because Rob's like, Oh man, I think my wife hates me doing 75 hard. I'm like, who would hate their spouse doing 75 hard? Mm. And he's like, well, usually on Sundays I'm pretty lethargic. I may have stayed up late the night before drinking. I may have a headache, and I don't really want to do a whole lot around the house, so I just want to lay around and be lazy. Sounds like my life. And he said, but now that I'm on 75 hard, I'm waking up early, I'm exercising, and I get back, and I'm like, hey, I want to get shit done. And he's like, all my wife wants to do is, like, lay around the house and be lazy. Mm -hmm. Yet he's like, I'm militant wanting to get shit done. I go, so he's like, I'm pretty sure she's probably going to slip a drink. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Like, 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 yeah. yeah. Something. Is that Vodka? No, yeah, baby. Yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> but, uh, and then my wife and daughter, full disclosure. For for anyone out there who's doing 75 hard, c- congrats. And I hope that you stayed the course and you're on day 17 or whatever it is that that, that we're currently mm-hmm. on. Um, but my wife and daughter had to call me out last night and appreciate it. They're like, hey, you're kind of angry now that you're on 75 hard. I'm like, what do you mean I'm angry? Like, I'm I'm drinking water. I'm exercising. I'm eating healthy. I'm, you have a I'm shorter reading. fuse than normal. No, I think what it is is I'm constantly in get shit done mode. Mm. And um, when you are working out twice a day, 
for 45 minutes to an hour, sometimes you realize, oh crap, I still have to get my workout in, but I still have to also go to my son's volleyball game and I still have to pack my bag for tomorrow. And I still want to watch the NCAA championship game Mm -hmm. for basketball. Mm -hmm. So you kind of get in the haste and not everyone is in your same Mm. um, methodology mindset. So so it's great. I appreciated the feedback. I just need to take a deep breath and relax. And maybe I need to dial myself from a level nine Mm. down to a seven. Four. So... (laughs) Have you ever seen me on a level four? Sleeping, maybe, but I'm, yeah. Have you ever seen me sleep? Yeah. You have? At a rest station on I-95, where the <laughs> hell we were. Yeah, I've seen you sleep. It's the only time. Yeah, that was the only time. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah, after a long day of fishing and some really rough seas. My leg was bruised. I shit you not. It looked like I got hit with a softball. I yeah, looked down, I was a, like. That was a good time, though. Us with, with Renee. Shout out Renee Rodriguez. Yeah, shout out. That big old Wahoo we caught. I ate some of that over the How weekend. How was it good? It was good. Yeah, I think I overcooked it. It was a little bit dry. Okay. Um. So check this out. You didn't even know that the NCAA championship game was last night? Nice. No. I so, don't. like, I'm not even a basketball fan. Mm-hmm. Like, I wouldn't – I grew up and I played the sport like any other right, kid. Yeah. Like, middle school team and a couple rec leagues. Yeah. And when the Magic were good, I would follow them. And mm-hmm. I followed the NBA finals, like, once it gets to, like, the finals. Right. And I followed the – none of college basketball until it's yeah. the, the March Madness. Yeah. And I'll watch like the first two rounds because those are exciting. Mm-hmm. And then I probably don't watch again until it's like the final four. Yeah. So I followed the final four this weekend. And then last night I tuned in. No idea. So you had no idea? No idea. Okay. Well, timestamp because uh, you know what day it is. And I don't think this is going to get dropped until like a couple of days after after the game. Mm-hmm. But so UNC blows this 15-point lead. Mm. And, dude, I know nothing about basketball. But I feel bad for this dude named Caleb Love. See? Love. I kept on seeing Love. Mm-hmm. He thought he was Steph Curry. Shout out Steph Curry. But he shot like Dio. Shout out Dio's jumper. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This dude was throwing up shots and just missing. Just couldn't hit a layup. He has to be their best player. Uh-huh. He was five. Mm-hmm. I had to look this up last night because, yeah. again, I'm not a huge basketball fan, but I could watch a sport and be like, that dude is sucking tonight. Yeah. And, yeah, he was like five for 24. Yeah, you told me that, and I said, it sounds like a pro stat line. He earned probably a quarter million dollars in the pros with that kind of stat line. So James Harden stat line. I'm serious. Those Shooting the ball 24 yeah. times, only making five shots? Yeah, but if you go to the line 10, 15 times. No, he wasn't going to the line ever. Oh, man, it's trash. Yeah, he he wasn't. Yeah, it, I mean, I'm sure ever is a strong word. I'm sure he went to the line. Yeah, I didn't sure. watch the game. Look, I didn't watch the game that closely. I was still, like, reading my NBA news link in between commercials or I was trying to get caught up on my Rob Chrisman blog. Mm-hmm. Shout out to NBA Newslink Mortgage Professionals, Rob Chrisman for the Mortgage Professionals. You should be subscribed to this. Speaking of mortgage professionals, mm-hmm. how about home buyers? Okay. How about real estate agents? Solid. Yeah. So many people get tired of us bullshitting in the beginning of our episodes. You're like, can you just cut to the meat and potatoes? That's not true. Well, some do. Well, we need some. our warm up. I can't have you coming in cold. Or, hey, so what are we talking about today? No, it's boring. Yeah. That's boring. On today's episode, we will be discussing the general principles to follow for home buyers, realtors, and mortgage loan originators. That's how you wanted to start? No. Exactly. Yeah, there's many podcasts out there in this space that suck because that's what they do. Don't nobody want to hear that to start, but hey, so I digress. Yes, Dustin, we are ready to get into the meat. We need to jump in the meat and potatoes. And hey, maybe one day when you're ready to take 
this podcast big time. Oh, I'm when ready. When you are ready. I am the one. You're right. I'm holding it down. You're holding forgive us back, me. John. Hold, forgive me. Yeah, we're still not at 10K on the YouTube subscribers. Please, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, share this shit. Yeah. Hop on social media. Talk to people about it. Tell Have people stranger. go to YouTube. Subscribe. Deals it's a big it. deal to be 10K mm-hmm. on YouTube, and we're short by like 1,300. We'll get there. Yeah, we're short by like 1,300. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we will get there eventually. Yeah, chipping away. Yeah, the city, you know? Yeah, how do you fill a cup? One drop at a time. Well, just like you said, they build a cathedral, you know, it takes 100 years to build a cathedral. What we're building now, we might not be able to see the fruits of our labor because it might take that long to get there. <laughs> but we are getting there. No, but like, what I would like when you take it big time is it would be good for those not fun people mm-hmm. who just want to get into meat and the potatoes. Yeah. I've seen others doing this in their descriptions mm-hmm. where they almost like, like time, click, time like, logging or something. Time stamp it so you can skip right ahead. Yeah, so you can skip right to it. Eh, you know, maybe once we actually have like personnel, associates, associates, people on payroll, a payroll. How about revenue to afford a payroll? Wow. Right now we don't have revenue. Watch your mouth. Yeah, but hey, yeah. if people went to tloponline.com, the mm. loan officer podcast.com. Yeah. Tons of additional content. Check out our sales tools. Yeah. Check out our online community. Yes. Check out Career Corner. If you want coaching, inquire about coaching. If you need links to some of the best um, uh, resources yeah. in the mortgage industry, they're all on that website. Yes, sir. And if you want the best, best, best content, the mm. stuff that John and I cherry picked, is like, wow, that shit's good. Yeah, the geek out stuff. Yeah, it's a $25 monthly donation. That ain't nothing. Yeah. That $25 monthly donation is what we can reinvest back into this podcast so it can become big time. Yeah. It can go from being a passion project to actually a worldwide, coast-to-coast, nationally recognized forum. Sounds like the fans who haven't been sharing us uh, ad hoc have, you know, been holding us back, Dustin. Challenge to the fans. Oh, challenge to the fans. Mm. Challenge to the silent creepers. Yeah. Yeah. Challenge to silent creepers. Okay, so today's episode. Sure. Yeah, so I was in the shower this morning, full disclosure. Uh-oh. And I do some of my best thinking either, I guess, around water. Mm. So when I'm showering, because I can't really look at my phone or look at my email, nor am I talking to someone. So mm. it's, it's like the, the one time that I kind of get a moment that I clear my brain oh, and I don't great. have any distractions. Mm-hmm. Or twice a week when I go and do my one to two mile swim. Because I have not advanced yet in my swimming where I'm using underwater earphones. They actually make them. I could listen to my podcast. I could listen to like today on my bike ride. I listened to land of giants. That was the podcast that I was listening to really cool docu-series, Apple, Microsoft, the, the, the story coming Mm up, Wozniak, jobs, gates, all of that. Um, but when I'm swim, I, that's my, I, I get an hour to an hour and a half of just me and water and nothing distracting me. So today in the shower, I was like, gosh, Rules of thumb, rules of thumb that people should live by, rules of thumb that I want my children to know, rules of thumb that I should share with real estate agents, rules of thumb that I have shared throughout my career with the home buyers that we have assisted in the financing. Just Mm -hmm. rules of thumb in general, or like another rule for another rule, another word for rules of thumb would be- General principles? General principles, yeah. So let's just go over some general principles Mm -hmm. for anyone who is looking to buy a house, yeah. anyone who already owns a home. Shout out to those homeowners. People who sell homes for a living. Yeah. And mortgage professionals, lenders. People who finance at home. Yeah. Like, this is shit they don't teach in high school, but they should. Mm. And it's all things that you should just write down. Mm-hmm. 
so that you can share it with other people, so that you can acknowledge it and live your life by it. And it's gonna be in no particular order. We mm -hmm. are just shotgunning this. Yeah. Um, it'll be somewhere between 10 to 15. If I get really good, it'll be 13. Mm. Lucky number 13. Mm -hmm. um, and we'll rock out. Okay. All right, so I'm gonna start with, um, this is just a general principle to live by for everybody. So we're gonna start personal finance. We'll work our way into home buying, home ownership and financing. First and foremost, we always talk about, you need to save more money. Save more. Focus on your savings. Save more. I'm not gonna dispute that, but I want you to change your mindset. Focus on your earnings. Cause I will tell you, when I was making shit for money mm -hmm. and I had a baby on the way and I had my student loans and my wife's student loans, and I still had two car payments and I had a mortgage or rent. I couldn't really save more money because the self, uh, be, because the, the phone bill was the phone bill. The grocery bill was the grocery bill. Yeah, you know, like there's things I could do. Like I could cut. start buying generic brand groceries instead of name brand groceries. Mm -hmm. I could cut off my cable. I could defer my student loans and all of that basically helped me not go further in debt, but it didn't help me save. Yeah. But it, so if someone flips the mindset of, well, you can determine your income to a certain degree. You can do career changes. You can add more value to your employer and then request a raise from your employer. You can get a part-time job. What? Yes, you can get a part-time job, right? Like those are things that I think as a principle, focus on earning. And then once you have maxed out your earning capacity, mm -hmm. The next thing I want you to do is pay yourself first. Pay yourself first. It's a novel concept, but people don't do it. When an employer offers a 401k, the reason why people should sign up for it is because it's an immediate payroll deduction, right? It's coming out of your pay. It's going into that investment account and you don't see the money. If you don't see it, you don't spend it. Mm -hmm. Now, another rule of thumb or a principle to live by is we should at all times have a minimum of three months of our monthly budget in reserve. And the end goal would be six. And for some people, the Mecca is a year. Mm. Imagine having a year's worth of your monthly budget, whether your monthly budget is three grand a month or seven grand a month. To have a year sitting in a savings account or a money market account, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. But let's start small and let's figure out a way to get three months. Well, how do I get three months? Well, if I'm focused on my earning and I'm paying myself first, I'll get there. Mm -hmm. By paying yourself first, by the way, most of us at this point with technology are on something called direct deposit. John, are you on direct deposit? Yeah. Yeah, so you don't have to cash your paycheck. Mm -mm. Okay, so you could set up on your direct deposit, maybe you already have this, to where a set percentage, I don't know, let's say 10 to 20% of your pay goes into one bank account and the rest goes into another. Mm -hmm. So if you don't trust yourself with your money, Paying yourself first allows you to make sure that you are taking skimming money mm -hmm. off the top that you earned. It's going to you, whether it's in a 401k or it's going into a separate account, like a savings account. Mm -hmm. And then what's left is what you live off of. What left is what you use on your cell phone bill and your groceries. And yes, you may have to make tweaks. You may have to go Metro PCS and get rid of AT&T. Mm -hmm. You may have to cut your cable. You may have to buy generic groceries. Mm -hmm. Okay, those are some sacrifices, but there's only so many of those things that you can do. Mm -hmm. But what, what you can do is pay yourself first so you have three months reserve. So all people should A, focus on earning 
over saving, not saying don't focus on savings, but focus on earning. You can control that. And the more you earn, I promise you from real life experience, mm -hmm. way easier to save. Yeah. And then you can pay yourself first to make sure when you're paying yourself first, you should be saving 10 to 20% of your pay period. End of story. And you need three months reserve, three months reserve, and then build a six month reserve is what allows you to, when life throws you a curveball, the transmission goes out in your car, your hot water heater bust, your refrigerator quits working. Mm -hmm. You have money that's yours that you can use to pay for that fix. And then you have to reimburse yourself, but you're not reimbursing a credit card at 13% interest or some kind of a payday loan at God, God only knows how much interest, yeah. right? So these are just some basic principles that I think all of us, we should A, ourselves live by, but we should teach it to others. If you're a lender, teach this to your clients. Mm -hmm. If you're a realtor, have these discussions with your buyers and sellers, right? This is how you bring value to them and it becomes less transactional mm -hmm. and becomes more of a relationship. So we need to be communicating that. That's some general principles, general principles. Yes. Yeah. Those, those are some general principles. Focus on earning, pay yourself first, right? Three to six months reserve. Now that you have that figured out, you're what we would deem a fiscally responsible human being. Mm -hmm. You are on the right path. Maybe at this point you're determining that home ownership. Yep. Hey, it's what I want. It's time. It's time because you've already determined, Hey, look, I'm pretty sound with my career, mm -hmm. I'm pretty sound with my employer, my income is pretty stable, and I'm not looking to move for the next three, five, or seven years. So homeownership is 100% in your sights. Mm -hmm. And you have recognized that the number one way to accumulate wealth in America is through homeownership. Like, let's think about this really quick. Let's say you went out and bought a $300,000 home, mm -hmm. and you put 5% down, on 300,000. How much money is that? Do you know, mm. what's three times five, John? 15, $15,000. There you go. Okay. So you put $15,000 down. Let's say you had closing costs on that home. And let's say those closing costs were I'm going to round up for easy numbers were 10 grand. Damn. So 15,000 plus 10,000 is $25,000. That is what you are out of pocket. Mm -hmm. Now rule of thumb, your home is going to appreciate by 3% per year. Now that's not the market that we're currently living in. Like it's ridiculous. Last year it was like 17% and the year before it was 13% and this year could be seven to 11%. Okay. Those are anomalies. Those are freakish, awesome returns, but on average, your, that your house is going to appreciate by 3% per year. So think about this. This is why home ownership is the number one way to build wealth. You are out of pocket. How much money did I say? $25,000 $25, on a $300,000 home that went up in value 3%. Mm -hmm. Well, 3% of 300 grand is what's three times three, John, nine, $9,000. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Where in this world can you take $25,000 mm -hmm. and have it return you nine grand? Cause that's all you got out of pocket. You're out of pocket, 25 grand, but your home just went up in value by 9,000. Mm. And next year it's going to go up by another 3% mm -hmm. on average, but that's going to be 9,300. And the following year it's going to go up by another 3%. That's going to be 9,900. So it sounds like in four years you would have broken even what you would put out of pocket. 
Well, you're the twenty five grand. Yeah. Recoup that. Yeah, but and on top of that, but someone may argue, but yeah, Dio on a three hundred thousand dollar purchase, I was paying somewhere between eighteen hundred and twenty one hundred dollars in a mortgage payment. I'm like, you're right, but would have rent been cheaper? Mm. More than likely not. And on that payment of eighteen hundred to twenty one hundred dollars, you actually also had about three to four hundred dollars a month going towards your principal, paying your loan down. Mm-hmm. That's another thirty six to forty eight hundred dollars. That's wealth, mm-hmm. right? That's that's equity mm-hmm. that gets added to that nine thousand dollars that your home went up in value. Mm-hmm. Okay, so. When we're sitting down and we're trying to determine the next step, I think it's good for all people to understand that's how the wealth is created. That's where there's a phenomenal ROI or a rate of return. Now, I don't know if you're noticing, John, but I just ran some quick numbers in my head. Mm-hmm. I ran a closing cost number in my head and I ran a payment in my head. Mm-hmm. Do you think those would be great general principles for all people to know? I think so. All right. So let's talk about closing costs first. A great general principle or rule of thumb Closing costs, which are everything from lender fees to title fees to government fees to the cost of an appraisal, cost of a survey, cost of homeowner's insurance, cost of upfront real estate taxes, the establishment of an escrow account, potentially you're buying in a condo association or a homeowner's association, and they may have charges up front that they're going to make you pay for at closing. A general rule of thumb is six, I'm sorry, it's 3%. So Take the sales price, times it by 3%. That's a general rule of thumb of how much your total closing costs are going to be. Now it's a sliding scale because on a much smaller purchase price slash loan amount, like let's say you're maybe in Evansville, Indiana mm-hmm. with my buddy Doug Knight and your average loan loan size or purchase price is 150 grand, you may be closer to 4 to 5, 4 to 5% and not 3%. Mm-hmm. Or if you're out in San Diego, California with our boy Brian Miller mm. and your average purchase price is 1.2 million mm. for like a 1200 square foot bungalow <laughs> ranch style house, right? Maybe your closing costs are closer to one and a half or 2%, but rule of thumb is three, mm-hmm. right? For most people who are buying homes, 250, 350, 450, even up to 650, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a good rule of thumb. Now, again, you get up to 650, it may be closer to 2% and not three. But just look, rule of thumb, it's a general principle. Here's another way of trying to factor in closing costs. I like the number six, Six, seven, eight, eight, six, seven, eight. Yep. So just think, okay, on a 250 property, it's six grand, 350 at seven grand, 450 at eight grand. Oh, okay. Kind of using that median, like look at the median uh, purchase price in the U.S. Now, I know it's going to be higher in Denver and higher in Seattle and higher in New York City and higher in California, but the rest of us, mm-hmm. six, seven, eight, baby, mm. six, seven, eight, or three percent. So when I was running those numbers on a three hundred thousand dollar property, I did three percent of three hundred is nine grand. Three times three is nine. I just rounded it up to ten because I was just trying to get like you know fifteen thousand dollar down payment mm-hmm. and a uh, ten thousand dollar total closing costs. Right. Plus in today's market, a lot of clients are being forced to pay points because just the, the MBS or mortgage backed security market is wacky new, new. Mm. And it's very hard to find what we call par pricing. That's me geeking out. I don't want to dive into that, but I'm just factoring in the fact that, Hey, six months ago, we weren't charging you points for this mm. same loan product and same comparable rate today. We just have to, mm. but 
Um, that would be a whole entire episode for anyone who's looking to geek out, but I don't want to geek out today. All right, so I ran that for you. I also ran, if you noticed, a payment estimate, mm -hmm. like really fast in my head. I didn't have my HP 12C in front of me, but here's what I know, general principles. For every $10,000 you do or do not finance, your principal and interest payment's gonna roughly move by $50. So 10K equals 50. So Mr. or Mrs. Homebuyer, Mr. or Mrs. Realtor, or hey, LO who's tuned in, whether your borrower finances 390 or 400, it moves the payment 50 bucks a month, right? So Mr. Borrower or Mrs. Borrower, I don't need to keep on running numbers for you when you're like, well, we may have to negotiate up to 410 and not 400. What's this gonna do to my payment? I'm like, look, 50 bucks. 50 bucks one way or the other. If you negotiate down to 390 or up to 410, it's 50 bucks. Every $10,000 you do or do not finance. Now, you and I both know this. Is a mortgage payment just principal and interest? No. What else is included? Insurance, taxes. And sometimes? Homeowner, uh, PMI. PMI, yeah. Sometimes PMI. Sometimes PMI. Sometimes. Yeah, if you're only putting 5% down, you're more than likely gonna have to pay private mortgage insurance. Yeah. All right, unless you're a veteran and you're doing a VA loan. But there's gonna be some kind of a mortgage insurance that has to be paid. All right. So what I like to do, rule of thumb, general principle to follow, is that I know when I include homeowner's insurance, real estate taxes, and the proposed likelihood that I may need PMI, it's 600 to $700 per 100,000, right? So I threw out a number. I'm like, oh, 1,800 to 2,100. Mm -hmm. Well, if it's six to $700 per 100,000, and I was talking about a $300,000 purchase, then what's three times six? 18. 1,800. What's seven times three? 21. 2100, right? All I'm doing is I see three, people see 300,000, they get freaked out. Drop yeah. the zeros, it's a three. And it's six to $700 per 100,000, and that's total payment. That's not just principal and interest, right? Because we're to determine if it's just principal and interest, we're about 50 bucks per 10, which is $500 per 100,000. But when we start factoring in homeowners insurance and real estate taxes and PMI, now you're like, $600 per hundred grand of purchase price or $700. And that also has to do with like where you live. Like in Florida, if I wanted to go buy a $1.2 million property that's on a canal that connects to the Gulf of Mexico, my homeowner's insurance very well could be $24,000 a year. Yo, what? Yeah. I got flood issues. I got wind issues, Every hurricane year? issues. Yeah. Oh, on top of $24,000 a year in property taxes. Now, if I go out to Colorado mm -hmm. and I hang out with my girl, Danielle Anderson, Shout out Danielle Anderson. I may be able to find a property, a townhome in Frisco for 1.2 million. Mm -hmm. And maybe my property taxes are, I don't even know what they're gonna be out there, but let's say 18 grand, but you know what my insurance would be? What it is. Oh, Jesus, like $800 a year. A year? A year. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. a year. So that's why we have these sliding scales depending on where you are. You know, if you're up in New York, New Jersey, you may have astronomical real estate taxes, mm -hmm. but you may have really cheap homeowner's insurance. So mm. the principle or the rule of thumb, we talked about 10 or $50 equals 10 K. That's just your loan size fluctuating by $10,000, one direction or the other. Mm -hmm. And then we're looking at a purchase price and trying to factor in a payment. It's 600 to $700 per hundred thousand. And that is factoring things like homeowner's insurance, real estate taxes, and the possibility of PMI. Now, 
talking about sales prices and talking about max payments, what are some good general principles? Okay. Like, how do I know how much I can afford? Yeah, how much do you know how, you can, how much I can afford, Dio? So, great rule of thumb. Take your gross income. That's you, your spouse, you and whoever you're buying the house with. The big number on the W-2. Mm -hmm. Not the little number, which is after you have uh, reduced federal and state. Pinkle, Sam, health pay, insurance, all this stuff. Yep, yep. Possibly your 401k comes mm -hmm. out of there, right? Um, take the big number, times it by 2.5 or 3.5, right? So if your household income is $80,000, uh -huh. well, 80,000 times two and a half is like 200 grand. 80,000 times three and a half is like, if I did my math right, 240, uh, no, 280 grand. Mm -hmm. So if you're $80,000 household income, you should be looking at a purchase price between 200 and 280. That's two and a half times to three and a half times mm -hmm. your gross monthly income. If your household income is 200,000, mm. okay. Now you're looking somewhere between $500,000 purchase price and a $700,000 purchase price. That is a great rule of thumb when it comes to your purchase price. If you're trying to factor in, well, can I afford this payment 20 to 33%? I've upped this. I used to be like 25%, 25%. Your gross, your, your full monthly payment, principal, interest, taxes, insurance, and condo dues or HOA dues. Mm -hmm should be somewhere around 25% of your gross monthly income. Now it's becoming more and more difficult as interest rates rise and as home values skyrocket, we're gonna have to push that a little bit, especially in certain markets, Denver, Seattle, mm -hmm. California, mm -hmm. New York City. So when you're looking at your gross monthly income, again, the big number, and if it's $8,000 a month, then what's 20% of 8,000? Well, what's eight times two? $1,600 $1, to what's eight times three? 24. To $2,400. That's somewhere between 20 and 30% of your gross monthly income, which is, by the way, going to be closer to 40% mm -hmm. of your net. Net's the small number. It's what you see actually hit your bank account. Gross is the big number that shows up on your W-2. That is a great rule of thumb. Now, if someone's like, well, yeah, but I don't even really know how to do that math or would I actually qualify for that or how much would I qualify for payment-wise? I have another. Uh-oh. I have another rule of thumb for those that are well-qualified. And well-qualified is, look, your credit score is 680 or better, mm. right? Because 680 is like an average credit score. So here's, takes a little bit of math here. This will take a little bit of math. Here's what I want you to do. Again, take your gross income. That's you and anyone that you're buying this house with that's going to be on the loan with you, mm -hmm. right? If it's you and a spouse, you and a boyfriend and girlfriend, you and a best friend, or it's you all by yourself. If your gross monthly income is, I'm going to use $8,000 a month again, is $8,000 a month. That's whether it's you by yourself because you make 96 grand a year, or maybe it's you and a spouse because your spouse makes, what did I say the number was again? 96. Mm -hmm. So your spouse makes 52 and you make the difference. Doesn't matter. It's $8,000 a month. Cut it in half. That's 4,000, mm -hmm. right? What's half of eight? Four. Four. So it's $4,000. Now start subtracting all your other debts. By all, all your other debts, what are your minimum credit card payments? What is your student loan payment? 
What is your auto loan payment? Do you have any recreational vehicles like RVs, motorcycles, or boats? Boats and if so, are those payments on there? Do you or are you obligated to pay alimony, child support, or separate maintenance? Subtract that. So if I wanted to sit down on a bar napkin with John Coleman and John's like, hey, Dio, hey, how much should I be buying? Oh, real simple, John. How much do you and your wife make a year combined? Oh, we make 100 grand a year combined. Okay, easy. Somewhere between 250 and 350 is a great general principle to follow, John. That would be your sales price. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, okay, but like, where should my payment be? Like, I want to be very fiscally conservative. I want to be um, responsible. I believe in paying myself first. I believe in mm -hmm. having three to six months reserves, saving 10 to 20% of what I earn. Uh, I focus on earning as well as yeah. saving. Okay, you do all of those things. I'd say, all right, well, John, well, you know, again, your household income is $100,000 a year, which is $8,333 a month. You should be somewhere on the low end of 2650, I'm sorry, of 1650 mm -hmm. to as high as like 2600. Like that's where your monthly payment should be. Mm -hmm. And then you'd be like, okay, but like, could we do that if I bought, found a $350,000 property, yeah. right? And then I'm like, oh, well, let's, let's use another rule of thumb. Yeah, right. You know, oh, well, yeah, John, you know what? You, you probably could, because I know that for every, let's just err on the side of caution. For every $100,000 that you borrow, it's about 700 bucks a month. So seven times three is 21, but I have to add an extra for the, the, the 0.5. So half of seven is 350. Mm -hmm. So 2,100 plus 350 is 2,450. Yeah, John, a $350,000 purchase price is gonna allow you to keep your monthly payment between 20 and 33% of your gross monthly income. And now we need to figure out, would you qualify for this? Mm. All right, well then John, let's do this. Let's take your gross monthly income of $8,333. Let's just round it down to be conservative to 8,000. Let's cut it in half. You have $4,000 to work with. The reason why I'm doing this, John, is because I know that most well-qualified borrowers, I can get approved as high as a 50% debt income ratio. That is your total income, mm -hmm. your total debts divided by your, your total income. Mm -hmm. So what are your other debts that you're currently paying? And we would just start checking them off. So we have $4,000. Like, well, my wife has a $500 a month car payment. Okay, cool. Now we're down to 3,500. I don't have a car payment. High five, good for you. But I do have a student loan payment. How much is that? Well, that's $400. Okay, well now our 4,000 is down to 3,100 because we have your wife's car payment and your student loan. How about credit cards? And your answer would be like, oh, we pay them off every month. And I'm like, well, but I have to include some kind of a payment. Oh, our minimum payment on that is, is $100. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Of the 4,000, I'm now left with, with uh, three. Mm -hmm. And you're like, oh, hey, by the way, I do pay child support. And I'm like, okay. What's your child support? Oh, it's $300, 300 bucks a month. All right, cool. So now I'm down to 2,700. So I factor in your wife's car payment, your student loan, um, your minimum credit card payments, and your child support. 2,700, John. 2,700 is more than likely what I'm gonna be able to qualify you for. Hmm. Guess what? The payment we just ran was 2,450. Right. And the basic general principles that we followed said, if you make a hundred grand a year, you should be able to afford a 250 to $350,000 purchase price. And your total payment should be somewhere between 20 and 33% of your gross monthly income. Mm -hmm. And then we would use the rule of thumb to factor what your payment would be. And that rule of thumb showed us that your payment basically 700 times 3.5, cause you, we're going to push the envelope. It's a very stiff market out there. So seven times 3.5 was roughly 2450. Mm -hmm. And then we're like, yeah, but would John qualify for 2450? 
And all I did is took his gross monthly income, I cut it in half, then I deducted what his debts were. By the way, we don't include debts like, um, oh, I contribute X to my IRA and I contribute X to my 401k. That's a high five. That's not a debt I have to reduce. Mm -hmm. We don't deduct things like utility bills or cell phone bills. Nope. Gym memberships. None of that. We daycare doesn't get uh, taken out. It's things that show up in your credit report and child support, alimony and separate maintenance. Mm -hmm. So we, we did all of that. And I'm like, John, without needing a calculator, <laughs> without needing a computer, yeah. I've been able to help you out just by following these general rules, general principles, principles, rules of thumb, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Like these are just good things that you should know. Right. Like this is an episode you may want to memorize. You may actually want to share it. You, you may go. want to save it. You may want to heart it. There you go. Because this if I'm a loan officer and I need a reason to reach out to a bunch of realtors, hey, hey, like, hey, check this out. Right. Yeah, this shit blew my mind. I hope it blows your mind too. Yeah, you should definitely send this to your database. There's no reason why you shouldn't. Yeah, if you need a reason to reach out to a prospective borrower or home buyer, hey, check out. This is a thing of value that's not coming from you. It's coming from us. Yeah. It's coming from us. So please share. If you're tuned in and you're looking to buy a house, hmm. guess what? Your reticular activator's turned on. That means you know other people who are looking to buy a house. Share this with them. Yeah. This is why we're doing it. So I had a little checklist. Okay. I'm going to go through it and you tell me if we've done it. Okay. Do we talk about closing costs? Yes. Okay. Do we talk about maximum payment being somewhere between 20 to 33% of your gross monthly income? Yes. Cool. We talked about a great rule of thumb for figuring out your sales price was two and a half to three and a half times your gross household income. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Ooh, we have not talked about annual maintenance. Uh-oh. Okay. And we haven't given our loan officers one of my favorite rules of thumb for calculating income. And for my real estate friends out there. Shout out realtors. Dude, I have some funnies that these things, I've been teaching these for going on two decades, but they're still true. Okay. They're still true. Um, we did back into a payment. We did talk about three to six months reserves. We talked about paying yourself first. We talked about focus on earning. And we talked about the rules of thumb, 10 uh, 50 bucks equals 10K or 10K equals 50, whichever way you want to pu sure. push it out. I'm fine. You mm -hmm. can inverse it. Uh, and we talked about in length, the 600 to $700 per month, per 100,000 in mm -hmm. purchase price. Mm -hmm. All right. I need everyone to understand that home ownership is phenomenal. It's the number one way to build wealth. We've been talking about it, mm -hmm. but it's also expensive. It sure costs money. It does. Like in shit breaks. All the time. Yep. So general principle to follow, you need to budget for and anticipate that your home is going to cost you one to 3% of its value each year in maintenance, mm. in maintenance. So before earlier in the episode, we were talking about like, I was running some quick math about how just for $25,000 out of your bank account or a loan from your 401k or a gift from your parents, you could own a home and that home was going to go up by nine or 10 grand a year. And you're going to pay down your loan by three to five grand a year. But you also now have to back out of those numbers. Well, what's it going to cost me to keep this shit up? Right? Because I'm going to need a new roof. I'm going to need a new AC. Appliances are going to break. I'm going to have a leak. I'm going to have to do repairs, main lawn, mm -hmm. et cetera. Right? My pool is going to leak. Whatever. My fence needs repaired. Like all of these things I deal with. My garage door breaks. Like things break. Mm -hmm. Things break. I need to get the trees trimmed. Like in my neighborhood, people are being forced to get the trees trimmed because the community is having the roads, uh, new asphalt. Well, one of the owners was like, dude, for me to get my tree trimmed is $700. Well, well who's going to pay for it? We're like, you are. You chose to live in this community that yeah. has an HOA. 
damn. Welcome to the gated community life. <laughs> right? But it's just my way of yeah. just explaining that it costs money. So you need to budget for realtors. When you're having a home buyer consultation, consult with your prospective client. Do the right thing. Mm -hmm. Do a solid by them. Lenders, make sure when you're teaching the basics of financial principles to your clients, you're also telling them that they need to factor in if a home's going to cost them 300 grand to mm -hmm. buy, it's going to also cost them somewhere between three and nine thousand dollars a year to maintain. And your in your experience, dealing like a new roof is fifteen grand. That's right. So now you don't need a new roof, but every ten to twenty years, mm -hmm. but it's still that. A new garage door is fifteen hundred dollars. A pool leak is nine hundred. New appliances are twelve hundred. Like mm -hmm. these are things that you just have to factor in. You have to get new sod because bugs or frost or something killed your yard. That's maintenance that is required that you want to be able to budget for. Do when you're dealing with like newer home buyers, um, have you run into instances where they're like they're ready to just like drain all their money? Like, oh, I have fifty thousand yes. dollars, take all my money, and they're like, well, you still need other stuff, and they're like, well, uh, yeah, it's kind of like an opening moment. Yeah, it's um, in markets like this, it, it perpetuates itself. Like it's it's more um, prominent because mm -hmm. this is such a hard market, and many offers are only being accepted being accepted if you go above and beyond appraised value. Mm -hmm. So any cushion you may have had, you use to mm -hmm. actually get the house. Cause you're like, look, I want the house and I want it now. I don't want to wait for it in a year. And I may even have to pay more for it in a year. Mm -hmm. So I'll pay today's value plus an extra five, 10 or 15 grand. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I did that uh, uh, ignorantly. I did that when I was 26 years old, buying my first house, like drained everything. Even money I didn't have, I used. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have a hose and needed a hose. And I didn't have a garbage can. I needed a garbage can. Really? So, yeah. Yeah. And my refrigerator broke within the first month. So thank God in the refrigerator, I had a home warranty that the seller had. had My realtor negotiated the seller buying me a home warranty. And the home warranty kicked in, but I still had a $50 deductible. So I still had to find $50. And that $120 Home Depot bill, that's how much it cost me when I went and bought a hose and, mm -hmm. and a garbage can. But I needed that stuff for my house. Right. So... Yeah, I wasn't in a position. You you should always have reserve assets. Right. Like you just should. I promise you from someone who's lived a life with no reserve assets and a ton of debt to live in my life with a year's worth of reserves. And and luckily, if I have debt, it's because it's leveraged debt, mm -hmm. right? Because I'm making a conscious decision to finance a car at 1.9% so that that 40 or 50 grand is still working for me in the market. But I have the money to pay off the car loan if I needed to. I'd sleep way more comfortably, but I didn't just wake up one day with, you know, this was a decade long mm -hmm. process. And my wife and I really doing some heart to hearts and meeting with a financial advisor and uh, looking in the mirror and having some tough conversations and me focusing on earning as well as us figuring out how to also cut um, uh, expenditures. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, owning, owning a house does cost money. You do need to budget for it. So the rule of thumb is one to 3%. Just understand it. That's in maintenance, annual maintenance on average. Um, some things that you should know as a loan officer, if you're trying to figure out someone's annual income and you only know their hourly, this is one of my favorites. Mm -hmm. Take their hourly rate, times it by two and add a couple zeros. For example, so-and-so makes 25 bucks an hour. Well, assuming they work 40 hours a week, that is $50,000 a year. Right, that's like, wait a minute, how'd you do that? Well, I just did 25 times two, I doubled it, it's 50 and I added three zeros. Mm. Oh, so-and-so makes $16 an hour, that $32,000 a year. So I was like, how'd you do that? Because normally you have to do 16 times 40, 
40 times 52 divided by 12. Like to get the monthly, but yeah, that's the right way to do it. And and you would notice if you did 16 times 40 and then, um, you know, times 12, the number wouldn't be exactly 32, but it's a great rule of thumb when you're just out and about and you're on your sales mm -hmm. calls or you're at an open house and you're trying to answer questions, you're trying to run math in your head. Mm -hmm. You're at a bar, you're at a, a wedding, what have you, bachelor party, bachelorette party. So rule of thumb, this is more for loan officers. If you wanna know how much someone makes a year, take their hourly rate, times it by two and add three zeros. Nice. Yeah. Now. This is even for consumers. Do you know how many borrowers I've had, clients I've had over the past 18 years that don't know how much money they make? Hundreds. Yes. They know, they may know their hourly rate mm -hmm. and, or they may know how much is in the direct deposit every two weeks or every, on the 15th and the 30th. Right. But they actually don't know what their annual income is, especially the gross income. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, well, how much do you make an hour? I make 22 bucks an hour. I'm like, oh, you make about $44,000 a year. Like, damn, how'd get you out do of my that? bank account. How do you know? How'd you do that? I'm like, again, 22, double it, it's 44. Mm. Add three zeros, it's $44,000 a year. Mm. So there you go. That's an awesome rule of thumb for anyone who is hourly. Obviously, if you're salary, you know your salary. And if you're commissioned, whole different story, yeah. whole different ball of wax. Let's talk about some of those whole different stories, whole different ball of waxes, things that are going to come up in your daily professional life routine that you just need to stop and take a step back. Stop what you're doing, deep breath, pause. Take a deep breath. Here are some things. I mentioned commission as income. That's one of them. If you're a lender, if you're a real estate agent, if you're a home buyer or prospective home buyer and the bulk of your income is derived from commissions, deep breath, let's stop making assumptions that you're gonna qualify because you have an 800 credit score. Mm -hmm. I need to dig into your income. I need to realize how exactly are you paid? How are you paid that? And how long have you been making that type of money? Because there's a certain way that I am forced to, to underwrite you or to use your income appropriately for qualification purposes. Mm -hmm. One step above someone being 100% commission, what do you think is even a little bit trickier, a little bit harder? Um, hourly? No, we talked about hourly. Uh, that, that's that's difficult. Okay. Self-employed. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Self-employed. You own your own business. Hey, look. Awesome. Kudos. You are the man. You are the woman. You don't work for the man. You are the man, mm -hmm. right? But deep breath and relax. Realtors, you hear someone self-employed. Deep breath. Take a step back. They need to talk to a lender that you know, like, and trust that is local to your market, that knows how to properly work with self-employed borrowers. Loan officers, you hear self-employed, we don't go throwing out a bunch of prescriptions. We got to do a diagnosis, right? We all understand that prescription without diagnosis is malpractice. We're not running payments. We're not talking about cool loan programs or what today's interest rate is. First and foremost, Mr. or Mrs. Self-Employed Borrower, I need to figure out if you even qualify. Mm. Huh? What? Well, yeah, I need to figure out if you qualify. I need, I need to see how you prepare your taxes and what type of income you claim. It's a pretty basic, straightforward process for me. Send me your most recent two years of business and personal tax returns, all pages, all schedules, all 1099s, all W-2s and or K-1s. Mm. I need them. I may even need your most recent profit and loss statement. Whether you print it out from QuickBooks, have your CPA send it to me, I'm gonna need it. Once I have that and I have an idea of what your income is, then I can look at your credit report, look at what your debts are. Then we can talk about loan programs, interest rates and what you qualify for. But when I hear self-employed, 
whether I'm a consumer, deep breath, step, step back, your loan's not easy. When I'm a lender, same exact thing. When I'm a realtor, same exact thing. Self-employed is one of those general principles that I know is going to require more work. When I hear someone wants to buy a condo, mm. deep breath, take a step back. Is it really a condo? Is it a condo tell? Is it going to qualify for, for conforming financing? Is it not? Mm. What people have to understand is when you're buying a condo, you, the individual have to qualify, but so does the condo association. Mm -hmm. Lenders have to make sure they are in that the condo association is in good financial standing that they have their I's dotted and T's crossed, that they are a safe investment because we are investing in you, but that condos are collateral. And that condo association has a lot of power. So if we are gonna let a third party have a lot of power over our collateral, we need to underwrite that collateral. Mm. So when you hear condo, deep breath, take a step back, relax. You need to make sure that you, the realtor, your buyer, the lender, all know what the hell they're doing. All are going to take the time that ounce of prevention is worth a pound to cure. Let's do a deep dive to make sure not just the borrower is going to qualify for financing or the home buyer, but the condo will as well. And just because it qualified for financing nine months ago, doesn't mean it qualifies today. And just because you looked in the MLS, you're like, well, well so-and-so financed there um, last month. Well, what if so-and-so put 25% down? And they, they qualified for a limited review, but my borrower is only putting 5% down, at which point I have to do a full review. Mm. You can't make assumptions. You know what happens, Sean, when we make assumptions? You make an ass out of you and me. Yes, sir. So that's one, that self-employed condo. And by the way, if a buyer calls and they say they want to buy an apartment, I don't think you, you do don't that. buy apartments in the United States of America, people. You don't. So you mean condo or you mean co-op, but... Just know that's that's like, all right, cool. You want a condo or a co-op? Deep breath. Take a step back. You and afford, you're using the wrong terminology. Fordham episode three and tell them start at the beginning. you got a long catching up to do. <laughs> do you even know what episode three was? The uh, 12-week challenge? I have no idea. No idea. I have no idea. I'm sure it was great content. It was just poorly produced. Uh, oh. People still, love, people still love it. They do still love it. Yeah, and we're going to do our best to go back and redo some of those episodes, which we have. Um, all righty, so here's some funnies, but they're true. We talked about, you know, the whole self-employed thing. Um, this is a rule of thumb, general principle. It's not 100% on anything, right? Like, we don't we'll live in a world of absolutes, mm -hmm. right? We don't. Um, but it's a funnyism, and it's kind of true. If someone tells you to have a blessed day or their email signature is to have a blessed day or their voicemail says have a blessed day, I'm just going to put it out there. They have bad credit. Mm. They have bad credit. Someone once asked me, why is that? I go, I have no idea. Maybe it's because they have Jesus, so they don't need anything else. There you go. That because be they have Jesus, hey, they're good. Right. Uh, pay that bill? Nah, I got Jesus. Right. I don't know what it, what it is. Yeah, right. But I have found that that's that's a that's a little red flag. Now that's a red flag. Reticular activator, as it was called. Oh my God, we people right now are like, oh my God, my email signature says oh, have a blessed oh, day. Oh, shit, Does my credit suck? What? You also have people who are laughing their butts uh, off right now because they're like, yeah. Don't swerve into yeah, incoming I, traffic. <laughs> I got that 540. I'm <laughs> repping it. I'm repping the 540, but my voicemail says have a blessed day. What about? Because I'm a happy person. Up, I have no oh, worries. This is good. What, I got Jesus in my heart. What about best? I hate that one. Like at the end of their email signature says best, comma, like John. Or you've never, you don't see that one? Oh, yeah. This is good because it doesn't, thanks. 
good credit score. Just no no ending. Just says John fucking eight twenty. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Hey, those are John Coleman's. Now John Coleman has never originated alone in his life, but he does know a lot of LOs, and he hangs out on the podcast yeah. every uh, every yeah, week for every... the past hundred and four weeks. So, <laughs> right, right. so <laughs> I like right. that. Yeah, I like that. There's okay. Um, here's another one. If they drive a Hummer, dude, they can't prove their income. Mm. I don't know what it is. People who drive Hummers tend to be self-employed. I saw one the other day. And they they can't uh, they can't prove their income. Guess what? My buddy, my, my buddy, I won't name names. You were about to, but then you caught I yourself. I almost did. You know where I was going. <laughs> hey, he once he once drove an H three. Yeah. Yeah. He knows who he is mm. and he listens. Can you, mm. and guess what? It was difficult. There was a time in his life mm. trying to do a loan for him. Where'd you I was like, this? oh boy, where'd all your income go? He's like, I wrote it off. I'm like, ugh. Mm. Yeah, you can't prove your income. You can't get a home loan. You can't buy a house. Might as well live in that Hummer. Got enough better, living space for five people. You better call mom and have her co-sign, <laughs> right? Right. You better call mom. Yeah, so if they drive a Hummer, they um, they just can't prove their income. Nice. Yeah. I think that's it. I think we nailed them all now, John. Okay. I think we nailed them all. I think we're coming up on our time. Probably. So one last time, let's do this. Okay. One big push. One big ask. Okay. We are on Instagram. We are on Facebook. We are on TikTok. We are on LinkedIn, right? If you're not following us, please go follow us. It's at the Loan Officer Podcast. If you want to connect with me, I beg you, please do it on LinkedIn. It's the number one way to connect with me. If you send me a Facebook friend request, I'm probably not going to accept it. Now, you can follow the Loan Officer Podcast on on Facebook. All day. And John does a great job of keeping that that site active. Give us a review. We've got five stars on that now. We're five star, highly okay. rated. Yeah. There we go. We've got a badge. But for it. um, but yeah, but if you're trying to get in contact with me, I would say LinkedIn's the number one way. Instagram's the second, but it's mm-hmm. a distant second. Mm-hmm. Facebook is not the best way, although we do want you to follow us on Facebook because he puts up funny clips of shows like this. Right. But we are on YouTube, we are on Apple Podcasts, we are on Spotify, we are on Stitcher. Anywhere you can find audio versions of podcasts, we are there. But what we need is it's five-star reviews. We need you to share us. We need you to like us. Um, you know, so please do that. Mm-hmm. We love doing this. We want to do this more. But you all are the fuel to our fire. The more that this gets shared, the more the audience grows, yeah. the better we become, the more we can invest our time and our energy and our money into this forum as we try to grow it out to a national platform. Word. We love YouTube. YouTube's a great way to watch us. We know that the bulk of our audience right now is listening to us, which mm-hmm. is pretty awesome. Word. I mean, podcasts were made to be listened. Mm-hmm. But we are on YouTube and we are trying to hit 10K. If you could help us get to 10K by subscribing, by asking others to subscribe, uh, we will send you a virtual hug and a virtual high yeah, five. Yeah, holding us back, friends. Let yeah. us. <laughs> and by the way, we're not going to stop. Once we hit 10K, I'm going to start begging for 30. Just FYI, I'm throwing it out there. But nonetheless, we still appreciate you. We appreciate you tuning in. We appreciate you liking, commenting, sharing, mm-hmm. um, becoming friends with us. Yeah. You know, like, like we're, we're developing relationships all throughout the United States. It's pretty awesome. Like just yesterday, I got to talk to somebody who's in Oklahoma City, someone, two people in Charlotte, one up in the um, Akron, Ohio area. Ohio. Yes. What? Yeah. Ma- making friends in Denver and Houston and Southern California. Through the podcast, you say? All through the podcast. What do you say? Yeah. Mm. Yep. So, um, and then, you know, collectively, you become a friend of us, you become a friend of other T-Loppers. We create our own tight-knit community where we look out for each other we take care of each other we support each other and we feed into the ultimate success of each other and then collectively we're helping shape the future of the mortgage industry one loan officer one borrower one referral source at a time 
He's John Coleman. I'm Dustin Owen. That's all the time we have for you today. We will catch you on the next episode. Peace.